right. All right, computer. On uh, three, two, one. Uh, we are speaking with the one and only uh, Greg Hart from the band uh, Cats in Space. And uh, the band is taken over in uh, in uh, the UK and in Europe. But in North America, we're still discovering it. But to be fair, we still don't know who Thunder is. We still don't know who FM is. So... <laughs> It's a, it's a slow, it's a slow, it's a long but winding road in North America. But uh, bonjour, Monsieur, as we say in Montreal. How are you? Yeah, bonjour. Um, yeah, very good. Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's get into this album. The, the new album that came out uh, just before Christmas is called Atlantis. Um, yeah. For for fans that haven't heard the band, describe sort of the sound because for me, as I go through it. I hear hard rock, I hear glam rock, I hear a little bit of Queen, I hear... I mean, it, it's got these movements, it goes up and down, it's, it's it's really well put together. Thank you, yeah, well, you've kind of hit the nail on the head already there, really. We're, we're just like an amalgamation of everything that was good in the 70s, be it pop music, heavy rock music, you know, we tried to... I mean, we're a bit of a melting pot of, like, Queen, ELO, um, there's bits of... 10cc in there obviously because of you know mick wilson who was my writing partner um but yeah we're just kind of it's all the classic 70s stuff and we kind of we live and breathe it you know we kind of all love that kind of music and we kind of try and keep it authentic to that was um a lot of bands have tried that avenue before but they tend to kind of modernize things too much and it ends up dragging it away from the essence of what the 70s was all about so yeah we're, we're a bit of a melting pot of anything that's good from the 70s really really uh, just before i move on here uh, there was a band back in the day called snowblind with andy simmons who went on with the paul raymond project is that the same snowblind that you were involved with or is that a different snowblind no. you know what in all the interviews i've done in the last five years this is the first time someone's managed to mention snowblind <laughs> you know, was, we were called snowblind when we were at school um well i just left school but the other guys are still at school and that we felt we folded our Snowblind in about 81. Um, and they went off and did something. And I formed a new band that ironically had the singer that was in the band that Snowblind was with Andy Simmons, a guy called Noel Jones, rest in peace. He's sadly no longer with us. But um, he had a band called Static. And the guys in Snowblind were kind of in Noel's band Static, and then they split and formed Snowblind. So this weird kind of <laughs> so Snowblind became Snowblind, basically. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> they took out a name. I took their singer, and yeah, it was all a bit weird. But things happened like that back in them days, I guess. Back in London in the early eighties, you know, before everybody got into branding and copywriting and stuff. Because it was yeah. funny because I, I, I was trying. I have a Snowblind with the. I had the Andy Simmons Snowblind in my phone. So I'm trying to look going, was he in that band? And <laughs> you, you put in Snowblind in, in Google and Google goes, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> We're not giving you any answers. So I couldn't figure it out. But uh, hey. we, we do any recordings as our Snowblind. We, we were just, like I said, we were kids just playing the pubs and, you know, doing all these crazy gigs. We went in, into um, a, like a rock school competition, um, uh, which was run by the TSB Bank. And we came second, and that was in oh god, I'll tell you when that was. That was February 1981, and uh, that was the kind of the only kind of thing that we did that was of any notoriety. We didn't do any recordings or any, you know, demos as such. Um, yeah, it was just like a live band, but 
that's amazing that talking about that yeah. uh, good old times so, so let me get into the uh, the the band's uh, atlantis you put out uh, a couple of singles and the first one when i heard it it's called i fell out of love with rock and roll and you go we no no we haven't and and I found it funny because Cat and Cats in Space seems to be a celebration of everything rock and roll. It, just if you listen to the past albums, uh, talk to me about that song and just the fact that you know it, it's it's almost ironic that here's a band that's got together to celebrate rock and roll puts out a single called "I Fell Out of Love with Rock and Roll." Well, that's classic Cats. You see, we, we never know what we're going to do next, but we always like to do things that people want to talk about. So it, it kind of works from a promotional kind of angle. Um, always looking for that one, you know. But now the the song was I don't know. It was it was me writing about when I kind of fell out of the late eighties, early nineties when grunge came out, and it kind of ruined my career, if you like. And we'd had this big budget album, loads of money spent on it with Jeff Downs out of Asia, and you know it was a hell of an album that took a long, long, long time to do. I mean, we'd spent over two years on this album just to watch it go and vanish you know just die on its ass literally and so i always wanted to write a song about how i felt at that time and one night the song came to me when i was at home and i just came up with this weird song called up well i fell out of love with rock and roll and um but i really did you know i gave up it in the early 90s because i just didn't like what was going on and um what the song didn't obviously have time to describe was the fact that i just went off and became a um, went into a glam rock tribute band for about seven or eight years and just had the best time. We just went crazy around the whole of the UK and we earned a living doing it, so it was brilliant. So we, but even then I was steeped in nostalgia, um, waiting for the right bus to come along to have another go. And eventually, you know, it did. You know, in the early 2000s, things got a bit better. So, yeah, so I just wanted to write a song about it. And it's, it's very tongue-in-cheek, as all of our stuff is. If people take it too seriously... And they're, they're in in a bit of bother because they should never take Cats in Space too, too seriously. seriously. No. Uh, are, now the album you're referring to is that Aqua by Asia. Yes, that's right. Aqua is Aqua is the album by Asia that I was doing with Asia at the same time as the band I was in called If Only. We had an album called No Better Roses. Right. And me and Jeff were kind of writing songs because I, I was you know not blowing the trumpet by far, but. Jeff didn't have Asia. They had folded because John Wetton had gone off and Carl had gone off. And I think Pat Thrower was the guitar player at the time. And Jeff wanted to put the band back together with originally Glenn Hughes. So I was kind of... Wait, wait hold on. He wanted to put Asia back with Glenn Hughes, the the, the voice of rock, Glenn Hughes? Yes, the voice of rock. Because Glenn, um, Glenn okay. was with Jeff. I heard the songs and they were amazing. Hold, hold on, there are, there are songs with with Je- with hold on, there are Glenn Hughes songs exist with Asia basically floating around. No, they're just Glenn, just Glenn and Jeff. They're just demos. Oh. Oh. oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it was. I heard one song in particular that was as good as anything on the Hughes Thrall album. It was phenomenal, it really was. Um, but they've never seen the light of day, as far as I know. Uh, Glenn was not in the best of shape then, so. And I, because he's a bass-playing singer, I said, he's the man for Asia. What a coup that would be. Anyway, that didn't work out. So um, we just started writing some songs. And um, this guy, John Payne, came along. And he had some songs that he was writing with various people. And they met up. And we wrote a song for a film called Freddy FRO7, um, which is like a big cartoon film in the UK. Did, did okay. 
And it was originally going to be a Greg Hart, Jeff Downs song, but the film was desperate to use the Asian name just for extra kudos, and that's how it started. So the Jeff and John went off to form Asia. I had a couple of little songs with them, and then I went off and did the If Only album, and Jeff was doing both at the same time. So it was crazy times, 1991, 92. 92. Yeah, 92 was, uh, was Aqua, so, yeah. And the If Only album came out around about the same time. Same time. Yeah, so, it, yeah, it goes it was, to show you, by the way, that brand over band always wins, right? Always, always, every time. You've got to get your branding right. You've got to get your, your emblem, you know, like Iron Maiden and Asia's logo. That's everything, you know, which is what Cats in Space did right from day one. We said we've got to get something that people will immediately associate with our band and it won't rely on any faces from the people in the band. And we did the cat helmet and it served us very well. It was a a master stroke that we did that didn't take long. It's not rocket science. You just got to get the branding right. It, it, it's, it's everything nowadays, you know. But to, to get the name of the band, did you sit down and have meetings or was it just like you're at supper and got somebody goes, how about cats in space? That, oh yes, that sounds delicious. You know, <laughs> it was, well, the, it was at the time it, there was no band. It was just like a studio project with Mick Wilson and myself. And Paul Manzi was going to come in and sing some songs and, you know, we did the demos and Stevie Bacon joined. And right early on, me and Stevie formed like um, a partnership. And I said, look, I think there's a real band here. You know, let's have it, give it one last go. You know, let's just do this as a band rather than just a project, man. You know, so we said, well, we're going to need a name for the band. So we'd called the project the Vanity Project because it was purely driven by ego. Ego to write songs exactly how we wanted to do didn't give a stuff whether anybody else liked it. I wasn't trying to go to any musical trend, wasn't trying to write songs that might get on rock radio. Not interested. I just want to write songs that sound like Pilot, Andrew Gold, Supertramp, for my own benefit, really. But then when we had to put the band together, we needed a, a name. The Vanity Project had been taken. There was a band called that. Oh, that's too bad. Cause that's a great band name. It was a good name. I really liked that. It, the album was going to be called The Vanity Project. You should have called it A Vanity Project and gone, hey. Yeah. Hey, Vanity Project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so we just basically kicked around some ideas and Stevie and myself had both lost a cat each in a very short space of time. And um, we're both big cat lovers. And he said something about the cool cats looking down from space, like your Jimi Hendrix, Freddie Mercury, all looking down from space. They're, they're the cool cats. So we said, cats in space. And it stuck. It wasn't going to be the name. We'll come back to it. And it, cats in space just, then we said, what about a cat helmet with cat ears and like whiskers? And that's the, like a spaceship that flies through space, like the ELO logo. That's a spaceship, yeah? And we just pastiched ELO to the like ninth degree. And I said, well, if we get away with it, we'll have it, you know? And it's and we said be careful what you wish for because it was only going to be one album. Don't forget, it was oh. a one album deal. Well, that's right. That that was the uh, that was the talk in 2015 that you know everybody's coming together for this great album and then it's stuck. So it's- I know we had to go out and talk. Well, we weren't going to play live. It wasn't a live band. It was just a group of guys having a bit of a hoot in the studio. And Dean Dean Howard he he was one day. Dean loves playing live. He loves his guitars and stuff. And I was a bit of a studio head. You know, he went. Greg, you know, we've got to go and take this out live, surely. I went, hold on a minute. There's no plans for that. This is a big thing to take out onto the road. It will never 
I said, we're never making any money at it for a start. He went, you've got to play these songs live, mate. You've just got to do it. So we sat down one time when the six of us were all together and we said, do we want to really get back out and go into this last chance saloon again? And they went, yeah. And so we did. And we had a rehearsal. And the minute we did that, we knew that we had something really, really special. It, we all agreed it was the best thing any of us had ever done. We just had a sound that was so powerful and so good. And the vocals were good because Jeff Brown, bass player, brilliant lead singer as well. Paul, brilliant singer. I do all the high stuff. Um, Andy Stewart as a vocoder, so we had the vocoder going on. And all of a sudden, we had this massive sound that could reproduce the bloody album songs. And um, we thought, we're going to impress people if we get this right. And we did. So, you did. Cats in, all next thing, you know, Cats in Space is on the backdrop, Cats in Space is everywhere, and the name stuck. So, yeah, we got to get you over to North America. Uh, the next single is uh, Listen to the Radio. Uh, how important is radio and radio play in this day and age you know everybody talks about well you don't get paid for streaming you don't get paid for spotify blah 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 but you know the fact is you still get paid for radio is radio important to you and and does the uk support the band with radio play well for a start ignore radio at your peril of course because you need as much radio exposure as possible because you're getting out to places and at times that you can't be you know so yeah radio 2 in the uk is still the flagship main commercial station across the whole country if you go we was on radio 2 uh, last week on the rock show and the response was phenomenal just one play but if we could get onto daytime radio it goes into a whole different level but it's very hard to do obviously so we rely very heavily on all the independent stations that really do support the band i mean there's a crazy support on some of these stations they're playing us well, every day, some stations, when we bring out a new record, they devote like an hour show just to the records. And it's phenomenal. Um, so we get really, really good support from the smaller stations. And as I say, you can never underestimate how important they are because they, they're so fanatical. They help sell your band better than anybody, really. Um, the mainstream rock stations in the UK, of which there's one, they won't play us. So I won't mention their name because of that. So. Wow. Uh, let me talk to you. Let me talk to you about your greatest moment in your career. Um, you had a chance to record a song called "How Does It Feel" with Danny Bowes of Thunder, uh, the world's greatest vocalist. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, that. Talk to me about that, though, because you know when when you see Cats and Space come together with Thunder, or hopefully someday maybe a tour with FM Thunder and yourselves. Um, what was that like? Just having him in there and, and doing that song. Uh, it was it was it a charity song or something? No, it wasn't actually. It was a. It was again one of. Um, it was a one-off single, though. Yeah, so it was a one-off single. It was originally. God, I can't remember exactly what. I have these crazy ideas sometimes where I just want to go back into the studio and do something. And how does it feel? Is my favourite song of all time. Um, and I've always wanted to do a cover of it, but no one can do a Noddy Holder, as far as I'm concerned. Until I met Paul Manzi, and I thought, Christ, he can do this. But also, everyone knows that Danny Bowes can sing anything. And Danny had become friendly with the band. And in fact, he became the manager of the band for a couple of years. And that was our introduction. I said to him, look, if we're going to work together, do you want to come down and sing on this song with Paul and do it as a duet? Expect him to turn around and say, you're taking the piss already. And he said, I like that tune. Yeah, I'll give that a go. I'm up for that. So he came down the studio, him and Paul 
sang on the mic. They ended up both singing the whole song and we chopped it up to make it work the best kind of duetted type thing. But it spookily just worked out that Danny was really on this part and Paul was on that part and they both joined in at the next part and it just worked a treat. So we did it, but and originally it was going to be on, we were trying to get a deal in Japan and obviously we was going to put it on as a bonus track if we got a Japanese release. And we recorded another song as well, which was another cover called No Regrets by the Walker Brothers. So they were going to be the two bonus songs for a Japanese release that never was. So the two songs were just left there going, hmm, what do we do? So we said, I'll tell you what, just for a laugh, let's stick out How Does It Feel as a seven-inch single like it would have been in the 70s. And that's it. No CD, not just on a seven-inch record. And we'll take it out and we'll sell it on the first tour when we go out and do our first tour. And we did, and we sold it out. And it became like a real, it's a real collector's item amongst the Cats in Space yes. collectors now. You know? It and was it, a pain in the yeah. ass to, for me to track down, let me tell you, but I got it. I found it. Good man. Good man. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> we releasing it on the Too Many Gods Infinity Edition last year when we expanded it with all the extra tracks. It went on there. So it is available to get on that format as well now. But yeah, just hearing Dan sing that with Paul was just, you can imagine that, that amount of testosterone in the studio that day. That was yep. pretty special. So, you said there uh, were two songs. What happened to the other one? Is it sort of still unreleased? No Regrets also appeared with Paul singing it, uh, not with Danny, just with Paul. Okay. But we recorded it at the same session. Gotcha. Um, and then that, that went on the Infinity Edition of Too Many Gods last year as well. Um, and in fact, we've got another version of that that Damien has now sung that we're going to be revealing at some point in the future. So oh, that's great. That was it. Was really cool. It was a, it was a crazy time because obviously Danny was coming on board to manage us. We'd already started recording the Scarecrow album, and then we went out on tour to tour the Too Many Gods album, knowing that there was a very good chance we were going to get the Thunder tour the following spring. Um, so it was the start of a really good climb for the band and that's what really set us off on the, the right track really you know, well, well let me talk about the climb for the band it's, it's been six years since you've started uh mm -hmm. the uk loves you listen when i'm on on my twitter and whatever people always say oh because i always talk about fm and thunder they go you should interview cats and Spain. i go yeah i know them i know they go oh because people in america don't know i go yes i know them i know them and there's always this talk, and there's so there's a great reverence from from the UK fans. How do you get over to North America, and how do you get people unlike me to pay attention and go, hey, you know, yeah. how, how do you do it? What, what's, what's that's that? the bit I don't know, unfortunately, Mitch. It's like you know, we haven't got any representation in America. We've got pluggers, and we've got PR people that can handle Germany and parts of Europe, and it's working okay. But we haven't got anybody on the ground in America, and as everybody keeps telling us, Germany, America, Australia would be absolutely massive for us if we could just get out there and do something. I mean, don't get me wrong, we our bags are packed. If someone could get us over to America, even if we didn't make any money but we just broke even, we'd come over to do it because we know, as Danny always used to say, you go in front of a live audience, you smash their faces in without doubt every night. We. No, we converted the diehard Thunder fans, Status Quo fans, and Deep Purple fans in one year. And that takes some doing. Yeah, we were nervous about trying that. But did, did you get the Bonnie Tyler fans? Did you get them to, to convert? Smash them, standing ovation at the end of that. Yeah, we tailored the set slightly that night. We kept it a little bit more poppy, but 
it was still a hard rock set and we still went out and smashed the ending but you know we're a good live band and the songs people love and we just think we could take this anywhere in the world so we just need exposure that's the simple question is getting us exposed out in north america and all over america really it's in this day and age how do you do it you know the days of ripple company the states you know def leopard god bless them you know if only ripple companies would do that in this day and age. You know. I mean, I, I certainly do try. I put you on my Twitter and my Facebook and my socials and I, I keep trying to plug it. But it, yeah, it's it's difficult. Uh, in terms of of um, the sound of the band, was, was there a decision, you, you know, when you we talked a little bit earlier about doing that sort of old style or the old rock and roll or, or the ELO and all. Uh, when you look at the market around you and you see what's going on, did you think, hmm, it's a bit of a gamble or a bit of a risk to do this? Or do you think, yeah, you know what? The classic rock bass is strong and has been there for 40 years. Let's tap in. Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, as I said, I mean, none of this was preconceived other than it was ego driven just to do an album of the songs that I wanted to hear in this day and age. I, you know, I don't want to hear D-tune guitars and horrible drum sounds that seems to be de rigor everywhere. You know, I wanted to just do... I thought if I got one album left in me, I want it to be a bit like a Queen or an ELO album would have done in the seventies. If I've got that as my last album I ever do, I'm happy with that and I'll carry on. And the minute we started, and it was literally the minute we started, we let a few people in early days, and they were losing their minds, going, "There is nothing out there anywhere like this, not since Jellyfish, you know, the, the, the almighty Jellyfish." And they came out at the wrong time, unfortunately. So I said, well, I'm not doing it to try and do anything in particular. I'm just doing it for my own love, really. And if anybody else loves it, tremendous. you know. Tremendous, and, yeah. and people did get on board. So it wasn't contrived. It came from the right place. And we've always said that. If you do something from the, the, the heart and the right place, I think people realise that. And they, they might not necessarily like your band. They might think the songs are a bit twee or they're not their taste but they respect you for the fact that they're, they're living this. This mm. isn't by some record company going, let's do this because no one is doing it. We're doing it because we want to do it. And, and, and authenticity always sells. Exactly. And, and as we said, there is a huge worldwide market, what we call the, the grey head coffee table market, of 40-plus-year-old people that they've kind of given up on new music to a point because they still hanker after you know, a night at the opera or, you know, back to the eighties when FM come out or, you know, the journey and stuff like that, or the early sticks albums, they still love what about if we gave them a new album that they could listen to and it would remind them of all of that. And that's exactly what we did. And we've had them coming up to all the gigs and they said, thank you. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, you, you, you just described me. That's what I, that's what I like about the band. Um, you did mention live, and, and we talked about status quo and Bonnie Tyler. You can't play live right now. How how important is the live show to you? Because that's sort of the way you get out and shake hands and make new fans. If radio is not really playing you, you yeah. got to play. So is it damaging for you to not to play? Um, well, touch, touch glass. It hasn't done us too much harm so far because last year – when lockdown came in, we had started Atlantis. So we were, we were doing that. And rather than shelve the album and wait for everything to come back to normal, which 
I'd never wanted to do because I said, we'd be on to the next album by then. I said, let's just go forward. Fingers crossed. Let's book a tour, which we did, got cancelled. We booked it again, cancelled. But all this time, the album was all lining up and, you know, we had the personnel changes with Damien coming in. So everything happened for us in a very natural, quite almost spiritual kind of way. That when the album was ready, we just said, everything's too good here for it not to do something anyway. And the fans will wait until we can gig, you know. So all we did say was, let's keep things happening to keep giving the fans something to look forward to while we can't play. So a single, a live stream, um, another single. We've got stuff coming out this year that is all measured right through till Christmas already, which I, obviously I can't reveal. But we've got all of this year mapped out that... Even, you know, I think the gigs will come back in time for our tour in September. I'm really like that. I, I, I'm quite strong about that. But We'll see. You know, yesterday in the uh, Wall Street Journal, they said that COVID is down by 77% and that they expect herd immunity to occur in the States in April. Now, I yeah. think that's a little bit, uh, you know, but early for April. But if, if they're saying April, then maybe we, we can look at August and go, hey. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. That's exactly what I'm thinking. August, maybe some of the festivals that we got lined up can go ahead, which would be amazing because we've got some. I mean, we've got some fantastic festival slots. Um, and then the tour starts in September. We've got another couple of festivals dotted in amongst that, and there's some other bits and bobs going on. And then we've got some other stuff going up to, through for Christmas. So, if that all works out to plan, then we are in absolutely prime position. Um, and, but like I said, we've got all these other things that are coming out for the fans because what I do say to other bands all the time is get your merch right. If you can't play live, get your merch right and try and give your fans something that they will invest in because, you know, not being funny, people are at home, they're being furloughed, they're being paid, some of them, luckily, so they've, they've got nothing to spend their money on because their live gigs aren't there. And a live gig nowadays can cost you £100 to go out for the night with your car park and your petrol and your beer and your ticket and your T-shirt. 100 quid, you know? It's a month rent in North America. I mean, listen, uh, The weekend, who just played the Super Bowl, he's coming to Montreal in whatever, 2022. It's $650, the ticket. I mean, that's a month rent. And then, then you add in all that stuff. You're talking, you go to supper before, you take the wife. You, you, blah, blah, blah. Well, suddenly it's like 1500 And you're just yeah. like, yeah. For, for a concert? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you take that away and you're not spending that. And you go and say, hey, why don't you come buy a new T-shirt or a new CD or whatever? They can afford to do it. So luckily for us, we've got a really strong fan base that kind of buy everything that we throw at them. Yep. Um, you know, we don't do it for the sake of it. We do it because they want it. You know, we, we, we're always watching the news feeds. We're always watching Facebook and we watch the chats that go on in all the socials. And if they want something bad enough, we always say, if enough of you want something and we can physically do it, we'll do it. You know, so why not? You know, Gene Simmons, man, you know, you know, (laughs) we love Gene. I'm staring at Kiss stuff right now. And, And by the way, I have to say that the merch is very important. There's a couple of the bands that I really love who put out just awful t-shirts and I just never buy it. But if you have a great design, I, I, I so want it. I mean, you know, we were talking about FM. I love their t-shirts. They've got great stuff. And, yeah, and then the there's some other ones. The logos are just like, really? Do we always have to have skulls? Can we just get fucking yeah, away from skulls? <laughs> it becomes very kind of 
fashion, like you know, the skull thing and all the daggers and stuff. It's like it's such a fashion thing anyway. It doesn't look like it's even your band. It just looks like it could be any company, you know. So we always said from day one, if that cat helmet will sell more for us than anything, and it does. And, and the simple equation is, which I think a lot of bands overlook, and that is you will make more money out of selling a T-shirt than you will out of a vinyl album or a CD. In fact, the cost of manufacturing to what you can charge on a tour, the profit margin is more on a T-shirt than it is on a CD by far. Yeah. So why on earth do you not want to get your T-shirts looking absolutely shit up? You know, they've got to be as good as you can get. We'll always do two designs. We make them both fairly exclusive and we sell all our T-shirts out. Simple as, you know, on the Thunder Tour, we were hoovering up T-shirts. It was crazy because everyone's going, oh, I like that cat helmet. That support band looked really cool. They didn't, they bought the T-shirt before they even heard the band. I'll, I'll tell you what I like about your T-shirts is because of the cat helmet, when you wear one, people will stop you and go, what is that? And that's win. exactly what you want. Win. Win. If you can sell your band to get people talking about it without the name being on the T-shirt, win. Eddie's head, Iron Maiden. Yep. Say no more. You see Eddie's head, you know who it is. No matter what's going on behind yep. it. Or even the push like, head with Metallica. Yes, exactly. Yep. What's, what is that is what we looked at from day one. We said, if we can find something like that, that's going to sell us T-shirts. And bloody hell, it does. You know, it's we've only got to put the cat helmet on anything and people know it's cats in space. Or as you say, they'll go, oh, I love that. What's that? And now all of a sudden, they need to know who your band are and what they do. Spotify, YouTube. It's like reading them in with a fishing rod and not, you're not even there. So, you know, it's not, um, it's not being kind of uh, mercenary. It's been savvy to think that if that person likes your T-shirt and they like your band, they might have walked past that person in the street and never, ever known who you were, especially while you're not gigging. You know, you need people. we got people out there wearing T-shirts that say, I was at the supermarket the other day and someone comes to me and asked me what the T-shirt was. I mean, win. Thank you. You know, it's Absolutely. So let's uh, just remind the folks, Atlantis, Cats in Space is out now. It is. And uh, listen to the radio, and I fell out of love with rock and roll. I personally have never fell out of love with rock and roll, but it is only a single. Uh, folks, uh, pick it up now, and uh, Greg, as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. An absolute pleasure. Glad we got to do this. Absolutely, and thanks for putting us on the show, and um, hopefully, like I said, we'll come back to you guys. If there's someone out there that wants to take us over there, we'll come out there and smash people's faces in, no problem. It's a good live band, and I think people need to see it. It is, and and I will always support. I'm I, I love pushing Thunder. I love pushing FM. I love pushing uh, Cats in Space, Canadian band Honeymoon Suite. It's yeah. great music from all these bands, and we folks need to hear it. They just do. We do. We need all the help we can get in this day and age, especially with, with how things are so disposable. So people like yourself are so so important to us bands. Oh, and, you know, God bless you all for giving us the time, and you know. The support. Absolutely. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, Mitch.